Uh, God just, he just always just amazes me, amazes me. Um, he was steering me to the book of Ezra. And as I was preparing my mind to dive into the book of Ezra and bring you a word today from the book of Ezra, I began to read the prelude of the book of Ezra because, you know, anytime God is directing you to a book and not a scripture or not a character, you really want to dive into that book. And so I started reading the prelude um, to the book of Ezra. And those of you that have a, have a study Bible, the first few pages in the beginning of the book that gives you the summary of the book and it tells you a little bit about the author and it sets the background and the setting for the book. If you don't read that, you really should. It's some awesome information in there. And as I began to read the prelude, God started speaking to me. And that's what amazes me so much about him. Just when you think you have figured him out, he completely changes paths because I couldn't even actually get into the scriptures of Ezra. It was in the prelude that today's sermon came about. Today's sermon topic is rewind and respect freedom versus the sin of independence. And I know that's a long topic, but You tell God how long it is because, see, he's so awesome that some sermons just need a subtitle. And in the prelude of the book of Ezra, uh, it begins to tell you how God brought the Israelites out of slavery. And that once they were freed, God kept telling them that although that they were free, that if they ever chose to break their covenant with him by dibbing and dabbing, into idol worshiping and sins and the agenda of Satan, that he would allow them to become enslaved again. And God being true to his word, when the Israelites began to disobey his will and his word, he allowed the Assyrians and the Babylonians to chastise and bring them under their rule. So the Israelites found themselves once again enslaved. Now let's fast forward to the freeing of the slaves in this country. Once freed, African Americans, they scattered everywhere, trying to get as far away from the plantations on which they were shackled, which is understandable. However, as a people, even our newfound freedom, we maintained some godly boundaries. We helped each other. We watched out for each other's children and we really had no choice, but we supported each other's business because although we were free from the plantation, we weren't really free to roam about this country. But we held on to our faith in God. And it was that faith that ignited the civil rights movement. And we marched and we protest and we pushed for policies and laws to be changed. We boycotted when the black dollar wasn't seen or deemed equal to the white dollar. The Montgomery bus boycott lasted 381 days, over a year, as we stood our ground. And during the times of the boycott, we leaned on each other, we helped each other. We created carpooling systems that Uber and other rideshare systems have adopted today. But we did it out of necessity. We did it because we were committed to the cause. And our diligence paid off. And the Montgomery transportation system almost went bankrupt as we made our point that the black dollar contributes to profit margins just like the white dollar. After the civil rights movement, we began to crave for more than freedom. 
We wanted independence. And as we began to experience successes and victories bit by bit, more and more African-Americans began graduating from college, getting better jobs, and being elevated in industries of entertainment and sports. And the more stuff we acquired, the more things we began to put before God. Romans 2.11 tells us that God does not show any favoritism. And because he does not show any favoritism, the same warning that he gave to the Israelites once he freed them from slavery applies to us. Ecclesiastics 1 and 9 reads, What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. In other words, history will repeat itself, especially when the same things are done the same way. And we as a people have made the same mistakes the Israelites made. God granted them freedom, and just like he did us, and just like the Israels, freedom wasn't enough. Just like us, they sought independence. Now on the surface, independence sounds really good. But independence is part of Satan's agenda. Now on the other hand, freedom is God's plan for mankind. Here's the difference. Freedom is defined as the power or the right to act, speak, or think as one wants without hindrance or restraint. Now listen to the definition of independence. Independence is to be free of all outside control, not depending on another's authority, and not depending on another for livelihood or sustainability. See, we have become a people who maintain no real level of respect for our history. And while we have obtained the illusion of independence, We are unaware that we have lost our freedom and are once again enslaved. The sadder reality is on the plantation, it was just our bodies that were enslaved. But now our bodies are free, but our minds and our souls have been enslaved. And we now use our bodies to to tighten the shackles as we turn our backs on God and our priorities are consumed with satisfying our flesh and lining our wallets. See, God wants us to have freedom, which is the power and the ability to act and react without restraint. That is what Jesus died on the cross for. The problem is independence. See, independence infers that we have the ability to shut down the Almighty and exalt ourselves as the ultimate controller of this world. Independence infers that we no longer need to submit to God's authority. Independence infers that we no longer need the divine sustainer, that we can sustain everything we need for our existence on our own. I want to share a little biblical fact with you. Did you know that the word independence is not stated anywhere in the Bible in any translation? If you go to the story of the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11, you will see that God wanted the people to scatter 
because his will was that godliness would spread throughout the land, but the people wanted to remain centralized. But because they wanted to operate independent of God's will, building their own cities and grafting out their own path to heaven, the word of God says that God confused their language. In the world today, everybody is talking, but there's no communication, no common ground, nothing but confusion. Why? Because God has confused our language. Because just like the people of Babel, we want to enjoy the resources of God, bask in his blessings, hold up his word for the world to see, to validate our foolishness. We want to call on his name when we're in trouble but yet we want to live independent of his will and his way. This is what we've got to understand. When we seek to build a life, a world, a nation, independent of God, he will allow confusion to overshadow us because we don't have the power to overrule the will and the ways of God. And please know whatever God has confused, only he can unravel. You hear people say all the time, well, I'm just speaking my truth. Everybody wants to express their opinion and declare it as truth. In the midst of confusion, instead of seeking God, we keep pushing our own agendas. And the further we push away from God, the closer we get to Satan. And Satan being true to his mission has our minds so twisted that we believe that we actually own some truth. You can't speak your truth without God because with God, without God in it, you have no truth. You may have an opinion and even if your opinion is truthful, the truth is not yours. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. See, we tend to misuse the gift and the resources of God all the time to selfishly validate our own agendas with an illusion, be it consciously or unconsciously, that we can do, create, sustain all outside the will and the ways of God and be productive. This reminds me of a joke that I heard a, a while ago. It said, a, science says, a scientist says to God, God, we've decided that we no longer need you. We're to the point that we can clone people and do many miraculous things through the use of science. So why don't you just go on and, and let us be? God listened very patiently and kindly to the man. And after the scientist was done, God said, very well, you say you can clone people. Let's have a man making contests. And the scientist was crazy enough to reply, okay, great. But God added, now we're going to do this thing like I did it back in the old days with Adam. And the scientist said, sure, no problem. And bent down and grabbed himself a hand of dirt. And God looked at him and said, no, no, you have to use your own dirt, dirt that you created. We have become so disconnected from God that we don't even realize that independence is only an illusion and not really even an option, which may ex explain why it's not even mentioned in the Bible. You can't live outside of the control and resources of God. Even with free will, you can't live 
not depending on the provisions and resources God has made available. We can't even live happily independent of one another because God did not design us to do so. 1 Peter 2.16 tells us, live as people who are free, not just using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. See, freedom keeps us connected to God with our free will intact. But independence is blasphemy and connects us to the mindset of Satan. Freedom maintains respect for our history and the word of God. But independence disrespects the mandate of God and the lives and the sacrifices of those who paved the way for our now. Romans 5.14 speaks about our history being written for our instruction so that we can learn from the examples of endurance to encourage us so that we don't lose hope. But we have become a people who don't look to our history for inspiration. We're oftentimes embarrassed and ashamed of it. We even try to erase it. Perfect example is we live in a time when everyone from sports icons to celebrities to reality show personalities, they're all looking to be praised with product endorsements. All while simultaneously looking down on Anna Short Harrington for her Aunt Jemima endorsement. And yeah, I know all of the backlash that people have been spewing concerning this while not considering the flip side of the scenario. In 1935, a time where segregation was so prevalent, a time when we still had to enter public places through the back door, the year Harrington's endorsement started was the year of the Harlem race riots. We are talking about a time when racism was being experienced on levels unlike anything we had ever experienced or ever will experience. And in the midst of all of this, a black woman's face was put on a box symbolizing something so simplistic as breakfast to be displayed in every home in America regardless of their race, their creed, or their color. And some want to argue about exploitation. Well, here's a news flash for you. All product endorsements are an act of exploitation. We just deem it more palatable depending on the amount of the check that's cut. But the brass tax of it is product endorsements are paid exploitations. The definition of the very word exploit means to make full use of and derive benefits from the talent, resources, or images of another. It amazes me how those who complain about Aunt Mama on the pancake box are the same ones who support the degrading images and portrayed characters of our women today in music videos and reality shows and on social media. And as far as Aunt Mama being tied to the era of slavery and minstrel shows, open your eyes, wake up. Reality shows are today's minstrel shows. And I don't care how much makeup you put on, how much bling you drape on yourself, or how many designer labels you collaborate in one single outfit. If you are of African descent, you will always be affiliated with the image of slavery. It's in your DNA. 
and is nothing you should be ashamed of. Yes, we as a people were enslaved. We were whipped, beaten, hung, tortured, discriminated against, considered less than, but through it all, through all of that, we're still standing. The evidence of racism being demonic is evident and how it creates self-doubt, how it shuts down pride, how it creates insecurities. And every time we denounce any part of our heritage, we are allowing racism to win. The incredible truth about those of African descent is that our culture is still the most adorned, our style and charisma the most envied, our music genres and talents the most revered, even our skin tones are the most sought after. So I want to say this to you, when we come together, when we decide to come together and shut down this semantic, satanic grip of independence that has twisted our minds to hate and be ashamed of our history and adopt the freedom God intended and begin to use our history as an example of strength and to dictate who we are at our core, we will rise and take our rightful place. But rest assured, we cannot do it. We won't do it without God. In John 15, 5, the scripture reads, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I am them. He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Understand this. God will allow us to enter into certain situations so that he can accomplish a great work in us. And it's how we act and react to those situations that determines how he responds to us and how he's able to use us to be a godly influence on others. If we rewind to the book of Daniel, chapter 6, we will find that Daniel did nothing wrong. As a matter of fact, he was committed to the will of God. But his commitment to the will of God is what landed him in the lion's den. See, laws were passed saying that no one could no longer pray to God and that he needed to sever ties with his God or that it would cost him his life. But you see, Daniel never gave into the concept of independence. He lived dependent on God and it's that dependence which ultimately saved his life. The scripture tells us when the king and all of his subjects came to the lion's den the next morning, they expected to see Daniel maimed and killed by the lions. Instead, they found Daniel alive and well because God had shut the mouth of the lions. See, Daniel possessed a spirit that aligns with Matthew 10 and 8, which tells us, Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy soul and body in hell. I was talking to someone the other day and we were just casual conversation about everything going on in the world and, and they were asking, what is God doing? And I explained it to them like this. I said, we sit in awe of Tyler Perry. And don't get me wrong, he is incredible in what he does and his theatrical productions are phenomenal. But God is setting the stage 
for the largest production known to man. And each of us has a role to play in this production. And there's no opting out. You don't have the choice of opting out. There's also no casting director. We get to choose the roles we play based on wanting to act according to the will of God or according to the standards and the agenda of this world. We see racism on the rise. Blacks are being killed at alarming rates with no justice prevailing. And the words, I can't breathe, it resonates in all of our souls. We need to recognize that everything that God allows, even the things which cause us grief and pain, he will work it out for our good and his glory if we resist being independent of him. As we enter into the upcoming election season, we're faced with decisions that will determine the plot of the theatrical production God has set the stage for. You have some wondering which candidate will do the best for them or for us. Essentially, which candidate will make our access to stuff more easily accessible? Let me help you out if that's you. Stop focusing on selfish gain and independence and follow the word of God, which tells us to seek first his kingdom and know that all other things will be added. In other words, your choices should be according to the fruits of God's spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, some of you may be saying, most politicians... They fool us and they, and they try, to repo, try to portray all of that in the beginning. And you're right. But we need to stop trying to control, rule, and judge others. We are charged to use godly discernment based on what is shown us. And let God handle those who deceive us. In other words, go with what appears right, not as what with, with what is arrogantly displaying as ungodly. Don't allow greed and selfishness to steer you from standing for righteousness. We are in a time where it's, it's not about Democrats. It's not about Republicans. It is about each of our relationship with God and how we choose to honor that relationship. We have lost over 200,000 lives due to the pandemic that's sweeping this nation. But it's on election day that will determine how many souls we have lost. In studying for this sermon, I had to go back and research the significance of Independence Day as I dove into the meaning of independence and, and the ungodly inference of independence. And as I read it, I became saddened as it represents the Declaration of the United States as an independent nation. Again, independence meaning free of all outside control, not depending on the authority of anyone, not depending on another for livelihood or sustainability. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. That's the problem. We have become a nation who wants to operate independent of God's control with no reverence for his authority. And we wanna walk in the delusion that we don't need God to sustain our lives. Pay attention to what's going on in our world right now. 
We have politicians now willing to vote against their political party to obtain some form of normalcy. And even this God is showing us that we should never be so devoted to a political party that we make decisions that are independent of him. In 1 Timothy 3, the word of God tells us that an overseer, a leader, should be above reproach, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not full of confusion or division, and not a lover of money. I believe we like being dedicated to a political party because we like basking in laziness. And why I say that is because rather than taking the time to do the due diligence and vet each candidate based on their character, we just tend to go with a predetermined political party based on them supporting some of our moral standards. Because if truth be told, neither party, any of us can agree wholeheartedly, agrees with all of our moral standards. And on both sides, we struggle with some of the things that they support. We've heard Romans 12 and 2 many times, and it certainly applies to the times in which we currently live. It reads, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Notice the scripture reads, but by the renewing of your mind, meaning we are not supposed to become complacent or committed to a pattern or a group of individuals. We are supposed to face everything with a renewed mind. Think about it. Think about how easily it is to be deceived when you just go along with the patterns of the world rather than renewing your mind based on the will of God and what is pleasing in his sight. Ecclesiastics 1 through 22 reads, For everything there is a season, a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. I'm saying to everyone under the sound of my voice, we are living in a time when we need to make a mind that shift. And from this day forward, we need to declare 
that we want to rewind, respect, and restart our dependence on God Almighty as a nation, as a culture of people, and even in our personal lives. Let what God has brought us through be lessons used to catapult us into all that God has for us as we walk in absolute freedom, but totally dependent on the word, will, and ways of God. Let us pray. Father God, in the name of your son, Jesus, we come to you first asking for your forgiveness. Forgive us, O God, for every time we attempted to act or react independent of your will, independent of your word. Lord, we come to you today recommitting our lives to you, declaring that we willingly depend on you. And for without you, we can do nothing. Without you, we are nothing. Lord God, renew our minds, shift our ways, our thoughts, away from the ways and the standards of this world. For what shift our minds, our hearts, and our souls as they align with your will and your purpose, not just for ourselves, O Lord, but use us, use us, O God, use us, O God, for the building of your kingdom. We give you glory, O God. We give you honor, and we give you praise. Amen, amen, and amen.
with holding nothing, with holding.